bonus. Bonus. Episode. The big bonus. Episode. Bonus means extra. Matt and Alex. Bonus. Episode. Well, Meadowkind, this is quite exciting. A little uh, bonus episode here of Matt and Alex's All Day Breakfast. Yeah, that's right. It's brought to you by Koala for every home among the gum trees. And uh, we're doing something a little bit different. This segment is all about comfy couches, uncomfy topics with your boys, Matt and Alex. Yes, that's right. We've got an incredible lineup of guests who are going to be joining us for these little segments. And we're going to be asking them questions that potentially we wouldn't really get to in a standard Matt and Alex episode. Some questions that, you know, could go go to the depth of who people are, some lived experience and some topics that, yeah, just make you... Uh, get a little bit awkward sometimes, but... And we've got an incredible guest today, Alex Dyson. Um, he is an Australian comedian, actor, television, radio presenter, best known for uh, as the, the creator and star of his shows Legally Brown, which I'm in, and Orange <laughs> is the New Brown, which I'm also in. He became a household name uh, when he reached the grand final of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here in 2017 and his Netflix special, Nazim Hussain, public frenemy, Again, screaming last year. He is an absolute legend. It's such a pleasure to welcome him on Matt and Alex's Comfy Couches, Uncomfy Topics. It's Nazim Hussain. Hello. How's it going? We're good, man. How have you been? It's so weird to be excited off the back of a lot of people getting sick and a lot of people also dying. But um, but it's the overwhelming feeling I'm experiencing today. Just a mm. lot of um, excitement about going shopping. Have you Have you had a hard year? It's been weird, man. Um, you know, just if professionally, um, it's certainly been very, um, you know, uh, lots of twists and turns, um, mostly an about turn, you know, refunding pretty much an entire tour's worth of tickets. Um, no live gigs. Oh, it looks all good coming in, but when that tide goes out, <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. I, have seen, I don't know if you've done any li- um, like Zoom gigs, but they are, oh, far out. It's like nah. you can see yourself. You're looking at yourself doing something really horrible. Like you're, you're looking at your own face experiencing pain and, and, and trying to fake it. So it's, oh, it's been that um, every <laughs> That's been what I've been doing. No, it's been, it's been, but it's been all right, though. You know, like I think um, in many ways, kind of interesting to see how we've all, you know, we've started to live in communities like geographically and we're all sharing, you know, we're all focused on one particular thing and there has been a communal spirit to, to overcome uh, this virus. And so, you know, um, it's it's been nice. I think emotionally we've all we've all kind of gone through the ups and the downs at about the same time. Well, look, we've 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 asked you on the show because we want to have some uh, oh, conversations. God. And uh, no, I mean, look, this isn't it's nothing it's nothing that you haven't talked about before, Nazim. You know, I'm it's sure just because in- what you title it. You know, it scared it scared the shit out of me. Like, what's it called? <laughs> Uncomfortable conversations, like that. I hate awkward. I, I I'm already, I've already got sweaty palms. <laughs> no, 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 so no. Just, look, well, I mean, just as a bit of feedback, a little bit of feedback. Just to, just when you're sending the email to the guest, don't call it that. Call it someone well, look, else. Um, Nazim, you are quite famously one of Australia's, you know, premier Muslim entertainers, you know. Oh, or- okay, actually, so on that, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going to be a very short that, conversation. That was a typo and I haven't been able to fix it since. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah. all right, but let's, 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 let's start off there. Um, so Nazim... Is there pressure? Do you feel pressure, you know, being being this sort of spokesperson for 
a whole well, country's religious following? <laughs> well, it's okay. And then try uh, to make it funny. Okay, the challenge has actually been, well, because the more prominent Muslims there are, I think the more that the responsibility is shared, which probably sounds weird to like maybe um, people that aren't from like minority communities. Like if you're white, you know, you can just kind of do whatever the hell you like. Whereas if you're from a Muslim community or if you're indigenous or if you're black or whatever, if you're gay, you know, people look at you and if you act out of line, people are like, oh, I guess that's how Muslims kind of, or you always right. see, so that, or, or that action will become the story that someone tells someone else, like, well, actually, um, I know this Muslim who, but, you know, so yeah, you're always, right. you know, you, you kind of end up being, even if you don't want to be a spokesperson. And I've always tried to very actively um, make the distinguish, you know, kind of like let people know that I am not to be held up in that way. I'm a clown. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I speak recklessly. Uh, I, I, I jaywalk. I have lots of parking fines that I that get overdue, and like I'm really bad. And that should all person. reflect extremely poorly on Nazim Hussain. <laughs> no, I honestly like you know I'll, I'll, I, I talk bad about people behind there, but I'm just a you know mm. I lie to police to their face if they ask me. You know, like um, oh, I'm really I'm just a bad person. But um, but you, you know at the same time, if you if you've got a spot on television or you're, you've got a you know an interview on Matt and Alex's very popular podcast, there are people out there who are like looking to you and hoping that you're going to make them look good. Mm. Um, and I kind of know the feeling, you know, you grow up and you, you see someone on TV that, uh, that maybe looks like you or that, that he's advocating for, for, you know, for people like you. you, you hope that they, that there's no skeletons in their closet that are going to like bring them down and then by association you down. So mm. um, you kind of have to. Who was that person? Oh, there's, uh, you know what? Who was that way, person when you were I, growing I know we up? Joke about, no, okay, I, we joke, honestly, yeah. for me, yeah. for me, there was Ernie Dingo. Yes. Right? Yeah. Ernie Go Dingo on. was pretty much like the one person. Even and though he wasn't, he's black and you're black, but he's, but he's for indigenous. me, I was like, he's indigenous, brown. I'm African. Like, I, like, I don't even, like, he's yeah. just brown. That's all. And I'm like, oh, he, <laughs> okay. I could be like him. Um, you know Kamal? Kamal yeah. was one of my yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's even, it. Um, yeah, even, um, even what's the, um, uh, Leland Chin, she was, she was uh, someone yeah, who Yeah, Ando was someone who Ando. I thought, oh. In fact, Ando is probably the reason why I got into stand-up because I thought, oh, and I genuinely thought this, I thought people aren't just going to cast me for yeah. no reason. They're going to need to know that I'm one of the Aussie blokes as well, just like Ando is. Yeah. Because yeah. Ando's had that avenue. So I'll use that. And that's why I got into stand-up. I had to prove that I that I was just yeah, a that regular Aussie that, bloke. That you can just fit you know, like I remember when I first started doing stand-up, um, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna name names, but there were certainly comedians because I started doing comedy, um, I was I, I started kind of doing comedy for the Muslim community. And I didn't even consider myself a stand-up comedian. I was a funny guy in the in the community, and then me and a couple of friends, Amir Rahman and Muhammad Alasi, we um, put on a show at the Fringe Festival, and uh, the, sh the, the show sold out before anyone even came to the show because they just liked the idea of us doing comedy. It was mostly Muslims and brown people, people that weren't white, probably people that didn't normally go to comedy shows. Anyway, um, we, I guess, barely lived up to the hype. We were okay, we weren't great. We didn't deserve to have sold out a week <laughs> ahead of any shows. But um, <laughs> while it was going on, there were a lot of other comedians who would 
say things about us and it got back to me in several different ways that you know we weren't real comedians we were uh, making our community laugh or, or our family members laugh you know we couldn't make the same we couldn't make real comedy audiences laugh the way normal comedians would so I would have to like actively try to get myself on these lineup shows to perform to white audiences just to prove that I'm as funny as the other comedians and that I could make actual comedy audiences laugh because brown people aren't as real a comedy audience as these white ordinary kind of, not or, you know, not ordinary, but comedy audiences that have been going to comedy shows for years. So, so there's you, always that pressure to like to compete and prove yourself. Oh, I mean, did you I partly got, become was, a comedian out of spite then? Just to <laughs> just go, I was like, well, absolutely not. Well, and I'll I show you how. The, I I was part of those people who was bagging you out. <laughs> because, because I I, That's why it's so awkward being on this show. <laughs> I had been out doing the bloody pubs and clubs for y- four years in 2008. Oh and then it was you and Amir doing doing Fear of a Brown Planet. You get bloody best newcomer, oh, and here I am, <laughs> me and Bart Freebane not getting any love at all. Oh, yeah, you're like, Bart. Like, the Bombardieri jokers pub. aren't even real comedians. They're just getting up <laughs> we, there. We, we did sell tickets a lot easier. Like, we, you just basically put an email out and it goes to, like, the network, you know, it just Muslims just get it. They're like, "Have you got? Oh, have you got the Muslim network? Have you?" No, listen, like, if you if you <laughs> offer the right price, I'll give you access to that oh, audience. I love that. <laughs> that would be great. Could you give us example? The Muslim Illuminati. <laughs> could you give us an example, Nazim, of a joke that you could say to a Muslim audience that would absolutely go over our heads? Oh, I mean, just most of the time when when we hang out, right? It's just like, okay, if me and Matt hung hung out and we were purely we were we were we were we, we, we just knew that the conversation wouldn't get out. We would joke about things that we couldn't joke about in front of you because, <laughs> because we'd be talking about you sometimes. Yeah. So when Muslims hang out, a lot of the time, you know, we talk about things that ordinarily um, would upset us. So maybe the way we're portrayed in the media, something dumb that someone said to us. So like, you know, it's just always kind of getting shit off our chest. So I remember like I used to make jokes about my sister. Um, you know, people would come up to her in front of me and talk slowly to her or that ask her if her, she's got hair under her hijab or if it changes colour with her mood or if she takes it off in the shower. Just really ridiculous questions. That, that sounds like deliberately targetedly offensive rather it's than well-meaning. Like, it's like abusive. It's abusive. No, but, ge- it's- but, ge- but genuinely it was earnest. Like people would ask these questions genuinely. This is at a time probably when this is like maybe a re- pre or just post 9-11 where there was before 9-11, Muslims were just kind of this weird other ethnic group that they were just, oh, they just wear funny shit on their heads and they've got beards and they've got, you know, ethnic names. After 9-11, you add this political layer to us where, we're, oh, we're also a community that's that's against the West and doesn't like our way of life. So then not only do you have to explain religious stuff, you've also got to explain your Australianness, approve your commitment. Mm. Australian values and are you Muslim or are you Australian or are you both? Which one's first? So, you know, those sorts of experiences would what would most primarily be what we joke about in front of each other. And then, you know, we talk about our families and all that kind of like general, I guess, ethnic comedy um, that, you know, unless you grew up with that sort of stuff, you might not immediately relate to. But I've found since doing comedy, um, people kind of get it if you, mm. you know, people aren't dumb. So, um yeah, it was like when we started performing in front of whiter audiences, um, you know, people sometimes get offended. But a lot of the time I think there's just a curiosity factor, you know, because starting out in comedy, um, uh, we were a community of people that were spoken a lot about, always on the news, always 
highly politicized, but you never really got to hear properly from us. It was, you know, you hear of us in sound bites on the news or in a newspaper article taken out of context or some terrorist idiot or some sexist dude or some homophobe. Like it's always the worst of us and it's never a complete idea. And so, then you're forced to condemn other things. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. it's like, it's well, upon actually, you. I've never felt the need to condemn anyone on, on behalf of people. Well, well, I actually used to be, while I was doing comedy, I used to be on the Islamic Council of Victoria. So Walid Ali was a spokesperson and then he got me on the board and then he left and then I became the spokesperson whilst doing comedy. And then I actually decided to quit the Islamic Council. So that's a peak representative body for Muslims in Victoria. And I quit the ICV, the Islamic Council, uh, when Legally Brown, the SBS show that Matt was on as well, um, got commissioned because I thought I don't want my comedy on television to be taken as an official statement of the community. Like mm. I, was, I was kind of straddling two things, being a serious spokesperson, literally saying serious, condemning terrorism that happened in all parts of the world. We had like a template of like a press release. Um, it is with great sadness that we condemn the actions of insert terrorist group's name oh in blah. You know, like it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, imagine if, you, if, if Australia, if white people had to condemn Sweden or just yeah. other, you know, Biden or anything Trump says all the time. Like it's yeah. insane. Um, so I think more, more and more though, that's like less of a thing that needs to be done. I think it still persists though. The FBI is saying that the biggest terrorist threat in America is white supremacist, right-wing Damn sort straight. of groups. <laughs> um, Despite this, there's constant news about it. Do you, do you mm. still feel that there's the the, the mood has shifted to that? There was a huge party that night when yeah. we found out <laughs> in the You're community. We've <laughs> 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 um, been demoted. That seriously, but like you know, like um, just you know, you're always going to have people uh, on the fringes of any ideology that are going to mm. do things in a way that's not helpful, and um, you know, even if they're like their cause might seem valid or it comes from a place that, you know, like emotionally might feel legitimate. You know, like why supremacy probably comes out of, I don't know, like why do people join gangs? Why do people do crime? There's, you know, there are deeper questions, but there's no time for that sort of empathy and understanding when someone does something horrible, like go into mm. a nightclub and shoot up a bunch of gay people or, you know, like or, or bomb a synagogue or whatever. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think as Walid said in his, PhD, which I read and felt depressed about. Well, I didn't read, so I read the first part and I didn't understand it. But secondly, I had a dream about it because it was so depressing. Basically, <laughs> the, I think one of the points was, and he's probably going to be angry at me for misrepresenting it, but was that terrorism is a social fact. It's just always going to exist in the same way that murder is always going to exist and like other violent crime and other sorts of bad things in society. So unfortunately, it's probably not going to go away and different mm. people are going to express it in different ways. So, you know. Uh, Have you ever been remotely close to any, terrorism? Like, well, no. I mean, oh, well, no. actually, you know what? Yes. So, I mean, when I look at stuff, right, I mean, whenever I see the news, there's always like so-and-so was caught being radicalised or was about to go to some country to join a, you know, terrorist organisation and the surveillance caught them and stuff like that. Yeah. But I literally do not ever see any of that, like, I don't know what the, any other word for propaganda. I yeah, never yeah, ever yeah. see any radicalization yeah. stuff. So I don't know whether there's a wall between me and all that stuff or whether it's part, yeah. is it part of the community? Do you ever you know see what? any influence? Uh, no, I haven't like 
I would just like to say on the record that I have never had contact with any terrorists or terrorist recruiters. Um, however, I, I, okay, emotionally, the closest I've got to feeling like a level of empathy with people who get radicalised was when, and this is going to sound really weird, was when Sonia Kruger made those comments on whatever, was it Sunrise or Today, mm. whatever the hell that show, the morning one, um, uh, where she said, we need to, um, what did she say? She basically said we need to stop Muslim immigrate. We need to just stop Muslims coming to Australia mm. um, because we've got enough of a problem here. Or So she made comments yeah. about. And I remember. This, this, I remember and, and there was like a, and the community all basically felt very much the same way, like a massive kick in the guts because for like since 9-11, for like a, a decade and a half, we have been proving to mainstream Australia that we are a peaceful community. We've contributed statistically. We're more educated. This is all the voluntary stuff we do. Look at all the, the charitable works we do. Um, you know, we've got people excelling in sport, in art, in media and blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, look at us. We're exemplary, guys. We're Australian. Don't hurt us. You know, um, and even when people do bad things to us, we overcome and we, we forgive and we're, we try to be the bigger person. We condemn terrorism around the world. And then just so casually on a national television program, just comfortably just sort of like says, oh, this entire community is a problem. And then her co-host is, oh, yeah. it just sort of mm. like passes like it's a nothing statement. I just remember like visibly like clenching my, like physically like clenching my fists, actually just getting like, uh, uh, getting angry. Like, and I just remember like most of the community, there's a, there's a psychologist that's prominent in the community. She was talking about, she was talking about how upset it made her. And like, mm. we were all just feeling like, you know, what can we do? Like we've mm. literally done, Everything. And that's, I guess, the nature of bigotry. And as we've sort of seen with, like, the conspiracy theorists of late when it comes to COVID and masking, et cetera, it doesn't really matter what you say to some people. Some people will just not accept what you have to say, facts or otherwise. In fact, the more you, you throw at them, the more entrenched they become in their views. So you sort of have to, at some point, just live your best life and just mm. hope that good people just keep doing good stuff and other people will maybe grow out of that. You can't... Just like you can't control how other people react emotionally to something that you do, you've sort of got mm. to detach yourself. You know, um, so I don't know. Look, it's uh, it's a long answer to one of your questions. Have I been involved right. in terrorism? No. <laughs> <laughs> we do have to wrap things up. It's been so great talking to you. Really, really love it. Um, I do want to ask like therapy. something I, I was interested in. Like, where, where what's your position? I mean, Muslim being your, your faith, but what... People have different levels of faith. Where are you on the... Because a lot of comedians, I think, gravitate towards the atheist categories. I mean, I really try to pull them back. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, got, I've always got Islam brochures in my pocket. No, but um, <laughs> oh, pretty, I'm pretty... I mean, but are I you on the uh, the believing in, in the Lord kind of yeah, end pretty, of things? I'm pretty, and I'm probably surprisingly practising for... I yeah. think people probably assume that it's like not a... But it does, uh, you know, guide a lot of my... Um, you know, my, my life, I feel like, mm -hmm. um, I feel it enriches me and, uh, yeah, you know, it's for some people, it's not for, it's not for many. Mm. Um, and, and I think, yeah, definitely in Australia and in comedy, especially because we are, especially comedians and by the, by our very nature, quite skeptical. We like to critique and yeah, religion doesn't naturally go well with that sort of mindset. So, mm. Um, yeah, like, so you but go, I'm clearly you... a dodger. I'm a shit Muslim. I, even by saying <laughs> shit, like Muslims aren't supposed to swear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, thank you so much, Nazim, for coming on the to, for this chat. It's really awesome. Exactly. 
to uh, to always get get down into the deep end of things. No worries. Thanks, Nazim. Have a good one. Thanks, guys.